Hi, I'm Melissa Withers, and this is Unfounded. In each episode, a guest and I tackle a topic about biz building and startup culture. But we do it by asking each other only three questions. One about the past, one about the present, and one about the future. The third question, the one about the future, that's the wild card. We have not shared this question with each other in advance. And that's it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, Sylvia Kwan. I am so happy to have you here today as my guest on Unfounded. Uh, Our topic today is women investing in women. Yes. Uh, As you know, we have three questions uh, with which we are going to explore this topic. One looks to the past, one speaks to the present, one leans into the future. And as you also know, we've given each other a sneak peek into questions one and two, the one about the past and the present. Question three, the one about the future, that's the wild card. We have not shared that question with each other in advance. Um, it's my favorite part of the segment. Uh, and as you also know, uh, no formal bios on the show. So for anyone watching who wants to learn more about Sylvia's amazing career as an innovator uh, in wealth management for women and beyond, you can check it out in the show notes. Uh, but Sylvia, I have, I have confined you, constrained you to only three words to describe yourself. So give it to me, three words. Melissa, thank you first for having me on the show. And by way of introduction, I am a curious ninja panda. Yes, very, very consistent with how I feel about you. Um, I'm now like, I can can never unhear those words. Uh, Well, well, well done, friend. Um, So here we go. Women investing in women. Um, You and I have spoken a lot about women and wealth and investing. I find the work that you do so inspiring. It's that it's those small proof points that things are finally changing. And I can't think of anyone else I'd rather have this conversation with. Uh, So we're going to jump right in and I'm going to ask you a question about the past. Women have fought long and hard to gain control, to, uh, to earn or to control their wealth. Um, when you look at all of the barriers that have stood in the way or still stood in the way, is there one that stands out to you as being the you know, most significant or being especially profound? Well, Melissa, when we first started LFS, gosh, it's been, I think, six years now, you know, we asked hundreds of women that exact same question, you know, what is keeping you from investing and taking control of your finances? And as you can imagine, there's a whole host of barriers, including things like, you know, cultural norms for girls and boys, the fact that the financial industry was built by men with very little consideration for the needs and perspectives of women, so on and so on. Um, But I think there's an underlying theme um, and sort of a current actually that runs through a number of these reasons. And that barrier is actually our own fear. So it's fear of asking for more, fear of being more than we believe we can be. It's fear of asking for that raise and that promotion, fear of investing. This is what we heard from women because we believe we don't know enough. Um, Fear of making a mistake, not being perfect fear of being criticized or being too ambitious. I mean, it goes on and on, earning too little, you know, fear of, you know, how we're being perceived by others. So I, I like think it. we as women though, need to band together and really quiet those fears uh, in each other. Banish fear in a giant circle. 
I love it. <laughs> right. When I designed this, uh, I, I promised that I'm not, so I'm not allowed to respond and it's really hard to, cause I just, I just, <laughs> I just want to like, I just want to talk about that, but um, that's not what we're here to do today. What we could do a whole segment on fear and how it affects uh, our experiences as entrepreneurs, as investors. So note to self, we're going to come back to that. All right, your turn, lay one on me. So Melissa, we all know the statistics, less than 3% of venture capital funding goes to women led startups. So as an investor who I'm, I know have heard hundreds, maybe thousands of startup pitches, I'm wondering what differences, if any, have you observed between how female and male founders present their companies? And do you think those differences have contributed to the gender funding gap that we see today? Yes, yes. And yes, uh, there's some incredible research that uh, came out of the out of the, uh, the U.S. and the U.K. that showed fundamentally the bias in how investors hear pitches. They showed that women are uh, are ten times more likely to be asked about risk, where men are asked about reward. Uh, women are asked about risk mitigation, where men are asked about how they're going to seize opportunity. And and I uh, I don't own any of that thought capital, um, but it's I definitely have seen it on the stage. I've seen it in rooms. I've been on diligence committees where I've seen it unfold. I, I suspect I've done it myself uh, until I really brought new awareness to that. I will say, uh, and again, at the risk of broad generalizations, right, there are lots of different kinds of women, and I work with an incredible spectrum of women, and not all women do this. But I do see a really common thread where when you think about startups and startup pitches, um, there's a lot of unknowns when you're building a company. So when you do a pitch, there's sort of what you know uh, really well, like the strengths, there's, the, there's like strengths and, and weaknesses. And then there's all the unknown in the middle. The meat of a sandwich, a startup sandwich is actually all the things <laughs> that are unknown, right? And a lot of the men that I've worked with in the past and hear from, they will describe the unknowns as potential opportunity as being part of what makes the endeavor so exciting. And women will often be more likely to put unknowns as potential risks. That because wow. we because they don't know the answer, then it must be a risk. I mean, it plays like, I mean, right after your fear, um, your fear answer. I still see that a lot today. And it's a work that I do a lot with women in the C-suite is to, you know, without losing your integrity and without, without being dishonest about what you don't know. And I know you don't know. That's like, I get that. But instead of assuming that unknowns are inherently risk, think of unknowns sometimes as opportunities. And so I think these things in conjunction with all of the other systemic bias, uh, racial and gender bias in investing and how networks are made and all, if you put on top of that, yeah, how women tell their stories, how we develop narratives and how those narratives are, are seen and responded to absolutely has been a huge factor in that. Uh, and I, I do think we're, we're talking more about it and beginning to change that, but absolutely uh, a, a very frustrating uh, part of bias in investing for sure. That so. is, that's really fascinating. And right now it's I have the, like 10 follow-up questions that I want to ask. I know. So we'll, we'll, ha we'll have to, well, we'll have, we, could, we have, I mean, I have had whole segments on that. So uh, it's a really important topic, especially for first-time founders. All right. Looking to the present, we are here today in the present day. Um, and I've learned a lot about wealth management uh, from my friendship with you. Uh, and I think I've thought a lot differently about it too. Um, both as a professional investor, but just as a, like a grown-ass lady. So um, I think for a long time, age was used to define how we expected investors to behave. You know, if you're a certain age, you should do this. Um, and 
I think women are really breaking the mold here out of necessity, of course, because they're playing catch up, they're doing all different kinds of things. But I also really think women are, are developing and embracing entire new frameworks for evaluating return on investment and with things that are just blowing the mold away. And so I'm just wondering, what are you seeing on the front lines around that? You're absolutely right, Melissa. Um, you know, there's that rule of thumb that we're all aware of that you should have a hundred minus your age, you know, in equities and the rest in bonds. Meaning if you're young, you can take on more risk. And if you're older and closer to retirement, you should take less risk. And, you know, directionally, you know, that's a, that's a reasonable rule of thumb, you know, but today there are so many more dimensions to investing. Um, and each person, each of us has unique circumstances and goals that really warrant a personalized approach, not only to investing, but measuring success, measuring kind of that, what is that ROI yes. going to mean? It's no longer just about who ends up with the most money and the highest returns at the end of the day. And for women particularly, and this is what we've heard from women, success isn't measured um, by you know, how much your portfolio beat the S&P 500 or some other arbitrary benchmark, but it's really whether or not she will meet her financial goals, such as, you know, will I have enough to retire well? Will I have enough to help, you know, fund my child's college tuition? Um, and so, so it's really more of a goals-based, you know, it, it is, a, you know, investing is a, is a means to a goal and that's yeah. how success is being met. And even like goals and around impact, second, right? Like goals around having right. impact with exactly. that too, right? Sorry, I cut exactly. you off. Exactly. I can't even handle my <laughs> It was a great segue. It was a great segue to my second point is that we are seeing that women are excited about making a positive impact with their investments alongside financial returns. So it's not one or the other. It's really about both. So success is now really measured not only on economic returns, but also on social and environmental impact as well. So it's exciting. Yeah, I love that. I'm so glad that um, we're not, we're not, we don't have to, I mean, the, the, we can't follow in the, the men's footsteps anyway, because though they've, they, because of all the mistakes they've made, we have to forge our own path anyway. But in some ways, I'm so glad that uh, this generation of women investors just can rewrite all the rules. I think it's awesome. Um, again, I'm not supposed to comment, but I did. Um, all right, the number three, the wild card round, uh, the future, the future question. Um, oh, no, wait, you didn't ask me the present question yet. I skipped oh, right yes. Yeah. I just got yes, so yes, yes. Okay. So Lisa, I want to know, how do you invest in women today that carries the most meaning for you? That I, I, I couldn't have paid you to ask me a better question. Uh, it's been a fundamental shift for me in the last couple of years of my career, not only as an investor, but just as an advocate, as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, in the beginning, I think it was a lot about, hey, how do we get money into different kinds of companies into more diverse founders? And I, I think that's important. People need to keep doing that. But the, the, the most important work that I've uncovered, the way I can make the most value isn't just by writing checks. Um, you know, when I think back about my own founder journey, one of the most hard parts of it was it was really lonely. There was, I didn't have role models. I had mentors, but they were mostly men. I didn't, but I, that's not the same as a role model. You can't see yourself necessarily as inclusively in that. And it was really lonely because I didn't feel like I could talk about the human aspects of my, of my life while I was on my entrepreneurial journey. So, so much of that just was uh, segmented and I think very artificially. And I think I became a better entrepreneur when that segmentation became more natural. And so I think about now, 
how much work I do with women founders in the C-suite um, as sort of like chief um, myth buster about what it means to be a founder. You know, yeah, like like there's so much bullshit out there about like what founders are, and and it's it's all it's all cast of this tremendous lens of bias. It's really dishonest too. And a lot of the work that I do is is being like chief myth myth buster and helping you know women founders uh, know that and and see through that and find paths to success that you know are are make them happy you know and make them better founders. And I think also just being there to provide management support, just somebody that can you can trust and ask questions to. Uh, now I've dedicated I almost all of my time um, is spent doing that uh, for women-led companies for um, for founders of color, and then of course anyone in my portfolio because I can't leave them out. Um, uh, and I do I, mean, I do mentor men too as well, but that to me has just been a game changer uh and i think it's really the, the that to me is the true frontier because the money without that capacity we're just gonna blame we're just gonna give all this money out and then blame all blame these people for failing because the the cash without the capacity is like a, it just doesn't work um so i think we need lots of cash more cash more cash but also more capacity more capacity more capacity and that is something that i know when i get to the end of my career I'm gonna look back at this moment and feel really um, grateful and and um, and just lucky that I had the opportunity to do that kind of work. So yeah, that's it. Fantastic. Okay, well, now the wild now, now the wild card question: the future. We're going to the future machine, uh, Sylvia. Now, so <laughs> I need sound effects for this uh, for the show. Um, okay, so. You know, we've made progress creating space for women to think and talk differently about investing, about being investors themselves. Um, but I think these are fragile victories. I mean, that's a generous, to fragile victories is <laughs> generous. You could debate how much it's even, can you, I mean, we, maybe we just move the ball. I don't even know if we like, if any games have been won yet, but fragile victories. You know, when you think about this, is there a risk to progress that stands out to you as being really poignant or prescient, not just in terms of holding the line, but in also ensuring that we continue to make future progress? I think there are a lot of risks for sure. Um, I do tend to be an optimist though. And so I do think there is a tidal wave kind of coming. Um, and I, and I think it, it kind of goes beyond investing. And what I mean by that is I think today more than ever, and this is where it kind of impacts the future, um, there, there is a lot more attention and visibility on women. Um, you know, if you just think about, you know, for example, our new administration, for example, um, you know, the, sh the she session that was caused by the pandemic. So there's a lot of uh, heightened awareness, I should say, with this. And so my hope is that heightened awareness will, will create that momentum to kind of yeah. like run over some of these risks. And I think, you know, one of the risks, um, because as you said, you know, we fought so hard to kind of get where we are. Um, you know, I would say one of the risks is uh, women not doing as much as we can to help other women. You know, I still think there are some, you know, there's, you know, some, and, and it's not so much, you know, selfishness. It's just maybe we don't think about it as much. We don't talk about it as much. So I think having more community around it and having yeah. more conversations like this will help definitely mitigate that risk. And then I, I would say the third one is, 
in some sense, I feel like it, it may be complacency, like, oh, we've, we've, yeah. we've gotten this far already. Yay. We're good. And, and we're, we're like, well, no, no, we got, we got a long ways to go. You know, we need to yeah. keep pushing in and keeping that energy up and, and not being complacent with, with the little bit of progress that we have, but uh, yeah. Great question. Now I want to think about it more. Yeah. Well, when, I hear you next say that, I, when I, when I hear you say <laughs> that, I think about where you started and you talked about, you know, like standing together, you know, standing in a circle, standing together, making, make like, and I think that, that I, you're right. Um, I, I'm an optimist too. And I, I think it's really hard to stop a wave. So <laughs> I think that we have that in our favor. So, um, all right. Let's La last question. You okay. It's on you. Speaking about waves, Melissa, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing to advance women, what would that be? Can it be magic or is it, does it have to be like oh, work we really have to do? Let me start by if it, if it really was magic, like bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, uh, and then I, we can sort of decide if it's work we can do. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that um, a lot of entrepreneurs face, but certainly women and people of color um, who have just been historically uh, left out of those networks of privilege, um, the thing we have to overcome is, I think people realize how much informal training uh, entrepreneurs get when they come from these networks of privileges. When people in your family were entrepreneurs, when you're, you go to schools, um, from elementary school to college, where, uh, where that kind of behavior and thinking is all around you. Forget all the obvious stuff about having a mom or a dad, right, who can give you money <laughs> to fool around. Like, for, put all that aside. Just informal training uh, that really shapes how you develop a narrative and language around yourself as an entrepreneur. I think we don't realize how many women and um, uh, have to learn by effort versus osmosis. And the differences between learning by osmosis and learning by effort. And I think for all of us, our lives are some dynamic uh, mix of those two things. But as the first person in my family to graduate college, you know, the only person to ever get a master's degree, there are like my father was a pipe fitter at a submarine, uh, you know, base. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and worked retail on the side. You know, I didn't have an, I didn't learn from osmosis until later, until I like I sort of fate brought me into the company of people who taught me about business and things. And you know, I think about a lot of the people that I work with who um, have to do double effort. Um, I, there's a, a like they have to they have to travel twice as much distance to just get to the starting block and i think I, how do you compensate for that and recognize that while not taking responsibility away from that person to to do the effort but i don't think most people realize when they come out of these networks of entrepreneurial privilege how much they picked up by osmosis and how many literal hours hours and weeks and days and years of their lives didn't need to be dedicated to effort to either absorb that information or those skills. And when I think about that, I, I am optimistic because you know I, I know how far I went and I see others who started out way, way worse situation than my own who are now just over here. So I know it can be done, but when you're in progress in motion, compensating for missing knowledge you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of room for mistakes and so I think about that learning by effort versus learning by osmosis and how can we get more osmosis faster to more people um, as a kind of great equalizer in our world that's fantastic yeah. 
I think about that a lot. Yeah. 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 I think about that, a lot, that would so. be a little bit of magic. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, like if I could just be like, you know, doop, doop, doop. Like, yeah, it would um, be like some kind, yeah, some kind of weird sci-fi, right? Where you could put like a, like some training chip in. But then, you know, then of course there comes all the troubles with what else are you sticking in there that you don't want to stick <laughs> in. So, um, well, that is it. We've come to the end of our session together uh, talking about women investing in women. And um, I really enjoyed it and appreciated it so much. Um, and, and just want to thank you again for taking time to be with me today. Thank you so much, Melissa. This was a lot of fun.